Welcome, everyone, to the Thursday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, and we are going to be starting with the big announcement yesterday from the Fed that the money printer is no longer going full burr. That's right. Jerome Powell. Well, first, I should say Jerome Powell had a press conference, but we did get the press release from the Federal Open Market Committee, and they decided that they are finally going to start pulling back on asset purchases. We knew this was coming. They telegraphed this. They let us know this is what they were going to do. We just didn't know the details were. And now we know. Treasury Securities will be reduced at a pace of $10 billion a month. Mortgage-backed securities will be reduced at a pace of $5 billion a month. That makes sense because right now we are, what, $120 billion a month is what the Fed is spending to buy treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities. And so they're going to go $10 billion a month for treasuries and $5 billion a month for mortgage-backed securities. So eventually over time, they will stop baking these purchases. But they did leave open the possibility that if something were to happen, you know, they're hoping nothing will, but if something does happen, they would adjust the pace of purchases if warranted by changes in the economic outlook. So they're saying, hey, here's what we're trying to do. This is the rate we're going to reduce. But if something were to pop up, another COVID variant, then we're not saying we are definitely going to continue at that pace. Now, when it comes to the funds rate, well, no changes. We knew that was going to be the case as well. The target range for the federal funds rate was unchanged at zero to one quarter percent and expects it will be appropriate to maintain this target range for the time being. The Fed says they won't move on rates until labor market conditions have, quote, reached levels consistent with the committee's assessment of maximum employment and inflation has risen to 2% and is on track to moderately exceed 2% for some time. Now, a lot of people would say, aren't we kind of already there? Uh, Well, here's the thing. Jerome Powell did address this. We'll talk about this uh, in a second. But as I mentioned earlier, uh, the pace at which they will be lowering their asset purchases is open for change. If something were to happen, the Fed did note that the path of the economy continues to unfortunately be controlled by the virus, saying in the statement, quote, progress on vaccinations and an easing of supply constraints are expected to support continued gains in economic activity and employment, as well as a reduction in inflation. Risk to the economic outlook remain. Now, Jerome Powell, the chair of the Federal Reserve, did address inflation at a press conference after the release came out. And his argument was, this is a supply chain issue. Powell said, quote, supply chain disruptions are limiting how quickly production can respond to the rebound in demand in the near term. As a result, overall inflation is running well above our 2% longer run goal. Now, Powell also made it very clear the Fed did not have any tools to fix supply chain problems. I mean, that's true, right? They control the funds rate and they can make asset purchases. Neither of those things are going to fix the supply chain issue. And so he made it clear, listen, we can't do anything about that. But once that's fixed, he is confident 
inflation will disappear. Powell is not letting the transitory argument die, saying that the Fed, quote, like most forecasters, we continue to believe that our dynamic economy will adjust to the supply and demand imbalances. And as it does, inflation will decline to levels much closer to our 2% longer run goal. Now, the follow up question is obvious. All right, when's this going to happen? When, when is this when is this inflation going to dissipate? And we'll get back to that 2% number because we're well above 5% right now. Powell said, quote, we expect that as bottlenecks dissipate, we'll see inflation move down in second or third quarter of next year. Watching carefully to see if the economy evolves in line with expectations, policy will adapt appropriately. Now, that's not exactly the best news that a lot of people want to hear. I mean, he's saying, hey, listen, this will probably go away a year from now. <laughs> I mean, that's the third quarter. I mean, we just got out of the third quarter of 2021, and he's saying that, well, yeah, you could be here at all Q2, Q3, 2022. I mean, that's that's a year of 5% inflation. That like That's not something people want to hear. And you have to wonder if there'll be political pressure to do something about that. Because true, everyone likes the stock market and everyone likes some of the benefits. Everyone likes higher home prices, which of course is caused by lower rates and everything else. But at the same time, no one likes paying a ton of money when they go buy their groceries. No one likes 5 6% inflation. And if we're now being told, oh, well, yeah, yeah, don't worry. That'll be gone a year. <laughs> That's, we've already been dealing with it for half a year. So, I mean, he's sticking with the transitory argument. It's just the definition of transitory has somewhat changed. I don't know if anyone would agree that transitory would mean almost two years. I'm not sure if anyone would agree with that. All right. Speaking of economic data and what could happen in the future, we all know this is jobs week. Everyone's looking to what's going to happen on Friday with the jobs report. But as we also know, leading up to the jobs report, we have some data that can maybe give us a clue of what we're going to see come out on Friday. And on Wednesday, we got the ADP private payroll report. And it was positive. It showed 571,000 jobs created in the month of October. Now, this was slightly higher than the September report that showed 523,000 jobs created in the month of September. Large businesses were responsible for over half the gains, creating 342,000 jobs. Small businesses created 115,000 and midsize right behind uh, small businesses at 114,000 jobs created. Now, when it comes to the service slash goods sectors, the service sector was well ahead of manufacturing. They were responsible for 80% of the job gains. Not surprisingly, leisure and hospitality leading the pack. 185,000 jobs created in that industry. Professional businesses services saw 88,000 jobs created. Trade, transportation, 78,000. And healthcare, up 47,000. The overall service sector created 458,000 jobs. The goods producing sector created 113,000 jobs. With construction, which 
coming at it from a housing perspective, that's something you want to see. Uh, that was up 54,000. Manufacturing up 53,000. And natural resource slash mining up 6,000. Nella Richardson, the chief economist at ADP, did point out that despite some disappointing reports in 2021, this will be a good year for job growth. Saying, quote, the labor market showed renewed momentum last month with a jump from the third quarter average of 385,000 monthly jobs added, making nearly 5 million job gains this year. Now, of course, we're still missing, I think, about 5 million jobs. So sure, 5 million was great, but we lost 10 million in 2020 because of COVID. So it's great that we created 5 million, but we're still coming up somewhat short. Mark Zandi, chief economist of Moody's Analytics, said job growth will continue to accelerate, assuming the pandemic can be kept at bay. Saying in a statement, quote, the job market is revving back up as the delta wave of the pandemic winds down. Job gains are accelerating across all industries and especially among large companies. As long as the pandemic remains contained, more big job gains are likely in coming months. Now, looking forward, ADP, not the best indicator. A lot of times ADP will have a good report and then the monthly report's awful or vice versa, bad ADP report and then a great monthly report. So it's hard to say, but we did get some predictions yesterday yesterday based on on this ADP report. Uh, Goldman Sachs said the Friday job numbers, they are expecting about 525,000 jobs created in October. Daniel Zhao of Glassdoor was a little more optimistic, saying he was expecting about 571,000 jobs, so right on the money with this ADP report. And then Adam Ozimek at Upwork was the most optimistic, saying 880,000. And so we will see. We will find out soon enough. You know what sucks, though? I just realized this. I'm not going to be able to do a show on Monday. I'm actually going out of town this weekend, a little, little late birthday celebration with some friends. And uh, so I'm not going to get back until Monday. So I'm not going to be able to record a show. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about the jobs report on Tuesday, depending on what data is released on Monday. But I will be sending out a newsletter. I will be doing that. That's easier to travel with me, and I'll get a lot of it done on Friday. Maybe I'll be able to do a show. We will see. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, If not, make sure, of course, you are signing up for the companion newsletter. Everything we talk about here on the podcast is in the newsletter and more. You can sign up for that for free at marketsandmortgages.com. All right, before we run out of time, we also, as always, get mortgage data on Wednesday. And it was kind of interesting, kind of mixed. Uh, We did see rates drop, which was kind of surprising. But mortgage demand continued to fall. Total demand fell 3.3%. Refinance demand fell 4% for the week and was down 33%. From the same time a year ago, purchases were also down a little smaller, though, only down 2%, still down 9% from compared to the same time last year. And these continued drops in refis mean the refinance share of mortgage activity has decreased again to now 61.9%. As I mentioned, mortgage rates actually reversed a two-month trend of upward movement and fell for the week. The 30-year fix, the average contract interest rate, fell six basis points to 3.24%, which is still 23 basis points higher 
than the same time a year ago. And the 15-year fixed fell one basis point to 2.58%, which is actually three basis points higher than the same time one year ago. Joe Kahn, NBA's Associate Vice President of Economic and Industry Forecasting, said that despite declining demand, the housing market is strong and things look good going forward, saying, quote, purchase activity continues to be held back by high prices and low for sale inventory. But current application levels still point to healthy housing demand. And the NBA is, that's the Mortgage Bankers Association, is forecasting a record $1.6 billion in purchase mortgage originations this year and sustained demand leading to another record year in 2022. So they're saying, hey, listen, sure, we're off from the crazy highs that we saw during the pandemic, the crazy record numbers that we're not probably going to see again, at least not anytime soon. But overall, historically, things are still very strong. No doubt about that. All right, we got to go. You guys enjoy your Thursday. We'll talk to you on Friday morning. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.